0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives.
1: All right. So, kind of just to bring it together, a quick summary of what we've discussed, and then we're going to go into Q and A. Um, as we mentioned okay, several times now, there are World world data comparing these agents, but these studies are limited by hemostatic efficacy collected pros- retrospectively in relatively small numbers. We do have some large data, um, which is available, which might be helpful in this, but once again, this, this doesn't tell us anything about a specific patient. Um, there are, you know, when we go, if you are going to implement, or when you implement, it's not really our thing anymore, when you implement a, a reversal protocols for your institution, there's lots of things that need to be addressed. This uh, sets very well with the role of an anticoagulation stewardship program. And so just things that we should try to tackle, and whether that be reg- you know, regardless of the agent you're using, then obviously there are some special considerations when considering a alpha in your institution. But we need, we need the balance. We, just, we do need clinical trial data. Um, but it doesn't answer everything, and it's very, as uh, Mark said, it's deep, but it's not very wide. And we need real-world evidence, and so we have to basically uh, train ourselves and remember the benefits and disadvantages of each so that we can make a complete and educated decision on what we plan to do. And then finally, just remembering that not all bleeding patients are the same. And so there's, uh, you know, we can't sit here and say, okay, this is what you do for everybody. It's going to matter. Where's the bleed? How quick do they need to reverse? What's the potential consequences here? Um, how much decision-making time do we have? Um, and so with that, I want to thank everybody very much. We're going to open it up to questions. I'll sit down at the table with
2: Mark. Yeah, so the question is, if you're looking at the studies that, um, of enoxaparin and alpha, where we've looked at the anti-10A heparin level or the anti-10A uh, rivaroxaban or apixaban levels, uh, they drop down to essentially nothing as soon as you start the infusion and they remain low for the duration of the infusion and then they start to rise thereafter. And so the question is, is that your opportunity to plug the hole, meaning to stop the bleeding, um, or is there an effect that hangs on after that and that return of the anti-10A river oxaban or pixaban levels doesn't necessarily imply that the bleeding propensity has come back and that's the critical question because people say well wait a second this person comes in uh a river oxaban or a pixaban they've got a triple a repair they're currently in the or uh it's two hours in the index infusion is going to finish remember no data on surgical but triple A's bleed so it could be bleeding data you know do we need to continue the infusion to prevent that 10a level coming back so paul what, what do you think about that
1: so, actually, I think I think I, I wouldn't continue the infusion in that setting. I think what, the, uh, what this line shows there, the thrombin generation, we've jumped in that time frame, we've given a time to jumpstart the thrombin generation, all right? Now, Mark and I are even just discussing before what does thrombin generation actually mean, uh, and there's some debate about that, but you have given that, you know, the thrombin generation does not go back down like that. The thrombin generation kind of returns to the patient's stable baseline, and so therefore, theoretically, you know, that part of it's been taken care of. And so therefore, the, the up blip, per se, in the uh, 10A, I find extremely not cause not very concerning myself. The other thing, though, is also in that time frame, I mean, typically a bleed's going to, you, you got to stitch it, cauterize it, or plug it, right, or put pressure on it. Usually something has to happen in that process. Um, and so, yes, it does give you a time window to do that. It also gives a time window just for hemostasis to kind of normalize, um, so I, I personally am not concerned about what happens after that.
2: Yeah, and I would agree with that completely. What, what would be not a good thing is that what you don't want to do is say, well, let's start the index net and let's see if the bleeding stops. And if it's, if at two hours the bleeding still going on, then we'll talk to the interventional radiology people. That's not the correct strategy. Um, I have a, rules of hematology, and the fourth rule of hematology is that unless fired from a cannon, warfarin does not cause bleeding. And people say that doesn't make any sense. I said, I've never seen a case of warfarin uh, ble- causing bleeding. I've seen lots of holes in blood vessels where it was a lot easier to see where the bleeding was coming from when the patient was on an anticoagulant. And so the key there is that Andexanet is not the, it's part of a strategy. And the most important tra- part of that strategy is identifying where the bleeding is coming from mm-hmm. and doing the intervention required to stop that bleeding and using the reversal agent um, as a bridge to allow you to get the person to the endoscopy suite and then to allow that definitive clot to firm up uh, before the indexinet is withdrawn and the 10A levels start to rise again. And I would absolutely highlight what Paul said about the endogenous. The thrombin generation, it does not drop back down below normal. And so that, to me, is a positive thing. People say, oh, you know, the thrombin generation's gone way up. I'm concerned about that. I said, I'm not concerned about it at all. The person's going to bleed to death. I'd like to have a little extra thrombin floating around myself. And I think that's actually a positive, to have uh, a thrombin generation potential that's higher than that before the bleed started. So if there's no questions, then uh, I think we'll uh, give you a few extra minutes back of your day. So thanks, everybody, for coming. Hope you're enjoying the meeting. Thanks very much. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit, or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.